Hello, welcome to the show. I'm Zuki Stewart from Playfield, a startup helping organizations to enable everyone to rediscover their creativity through playful wonder and serendipity. And I'm Lucy Taylor from Make Work Play, an organization on a mission to use the power of play to unlock potential and possibility. Together, we are Why Play Works, the podcast that speaks to people radically reshaping work as play. In this episode, I'll be speaking to Gary Ware, the founder of Breakthrough Play. Gary is a corporate facilitator, keynote speaker, certified coach, and author of the book Playful Rebellion, Maximize Workplace Success Through the Power of Play. Gary has over 14 years' experience in the corporate world, holding various leadership positions, and being a multifaceted individual, he also comes with nearly a decade of experience as a performer in improv theatre. After experiencing burnout in his pursuit for success and happiness, he realised that what was missing was, spoiler, play. Committing to a life of play is what led Gary to discover his passion for facilitating. Gary uses the power of applied improvisation and other playful methods to assist people in unlocking creativity, confidence and better communication. Gary was recently featured as one of the top 100 HR influencers of 2021 by the Engagedly HR software platform. When he isn't leading workshops or speaking, you can find him learning magic or often an adventure with his wife Courtney and his sons Garrett and Cameron. In this episode, we discuss leaning into your inner joker, the power of experience over words, and how adding a little bit of play makes anything better. I'm so excited this is happening at last. It's been a long time coming, this conversation, so thank you so much for bearing with me and for giving me some time, my afternoon, your morning, transatlantic, so it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I, I'm so excited to dive deep. It's going to be a lot of fun. So let's kick off. What does the word play mean to you? Wow. Wow. All right. We're, we're starting with the, the big ones. Uh, so play has multiple meanings to me. Um, you know, the overarching meaning is to do something um just for the sake of doing it and to to dive deep into whatever that activity is and be immersed in the process um and you know at the end of the day enjoy what you're doing so that that's what play means to me um as a umbrella term just doing it for the sake of it and do you find that easy with practice because i think that's that's difficult to do for a lot of people do you find it easier the more engaged you are in this playfulness well, see, this is the thing. We are wired for play. So, like, when, when the conditions are right, yes, we can dive into it. However, getting to that state where we could be playful and, and really get into that, um, into that level of focus can be challenging due to so many different things. You know, just our understanding of play. You know, our society conditioned us um, as adults to think that, quote-unquote, play is something that – is frivolous or or what kids do um and again you know depending on the context we might feel guilty for feeling playful in the moment um you know Mm. especially you know thinking of work uh you know when we think we have to be so serious and rigid where again if we really understand like i said the 
umbrella term of play. It just means to just do something for the sake of doing it, you know, not worried about the, the outcome. And what's your earliest memory of play? We can go way back. Uh, for me, I do remember um, when I was about three or four, um, my dad was in the armed service in the, in the Navy here in the U.S., and we were in Hawaii. And I do remember, you know, uh, exploring and, you know, just being out and about. Um, I, I was a very, I still am, very curious kid. And uh, I, I tend to get into a lot of mischief just being curious about stuff. And so I, I remember having adventures. Um, and it's so funny because I was younger than my son is now. And my mom just let me just go out of the house. And I'm at this <laughs> park that is near our house. And she just like, all right, cool. Like, it's all good. Be home soon. <laughs> I completely agree. And when you think back to that three, four-year-old in Hawaii being curious, do you, do you feel that younger self show up today? You said, I'm still a curious kid, right? So do you still feel that connection with the younger self and what play meant to him and how it shows up in you today? Yes, I do. And, and I'm, I'm so glad that you bring this up because like in the work that I do, that is some of the things that can help people really unlock that spirit of play is, is think mm -hmm. about when you were younger, how did you play? How did you show up? And how can you like unlock that now? And so, as I mentioned, I was a very curious kid. Uh, I got into a bit of mischief just because I was like, Ooh, what does this do? And then I end up breaking something or, <laughs> or whatever the case may be. And, you know, I, over time learned that ooh, maybe that's not a good thing um however you know through hours and hours of therapy and, and, and interventions and stuff like that as an adult i've learned to realize that um those are the things that i need as an adult i need curiosity mm -hmm. i need imagination i need exploration you know that's what i like to call uh being childlike mm -hmm. you know how can we really uh, bring these qualities into our day-to-day -day? and yes i've um uh, Dr. Stuart Brown, who wrote the book Play, talked about different play personalities. And, mm. and one of the big ones for me is the Joker. Um, I was all about playing practical jokes and, and whatnot um, and being very jovial. And again, yeah, it did get me into trouble. And so, again, as kids, sometimes we make these sort of uh, sort of overarching statements of like, ooh, that's not a good thing, you know, instead of like compartmentalizing, you know, these situations. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, uh, like as an adult, I did find myself like, maybe I shouldn't, you know, I, I should hide that. Uh, but mm -hmm. I do find that when I am allowing myself to express that, uh, I am feeling more whole mm -hmm. and, um, you know, more fulfilled. Mm, I completely, completely agree. And what you're saying there, makes me think of my younger self and kind of how she liked to play. And one of my earliest memories of play is um, I lived when I was younger, kind of on a mountainside in Portugal, um, kind of off the grid, no running water, uh, you know, we had windmills for power, that kind of thing, very um, unorthodox. And I also just to add to that funky mix, I didn't go to school, I was home educated. And so I had a lot of time on my hands in the day, but there wasn't in you know class back to back as most children were. And one of my earliest memories is kind of 
it's not sneaking because I wasn't not allowed, but kind of going down the track in this in this mountain. And I had my discman. Do you remember discmans? You know, that's what they were called, isn't it? After after the cassette, the Walkman, you have the discman. And I thought I was just the bee's knees. I was like, yo, check out my Walkman, my discman, and get my headphones. And I would take a little selection of CDs down this hill, down this track. No one around, like the odd shepherd, perhaps, like yonder in the distance. And I put on my headphones and I would sing to an to an imaginary audience. You know, Spice Girls, whatever I could have. And I would spend hours just singing to myself and my imaginary audience and making dance routines. And and I think now, you know, I was never going to be a singer. I wasn't doing that because I was practicing something I was good at and I wanted to do when I was older, right? It was, there was no end to that. I just loved the feeling, like, in my throat of singing. And then, you know, I grew up. And when I was at university, I did a bit of kind of dance and theatre. But, you know, you, you, you leave that behind. You get a big grown-up job and kind of, you don't have time. And just last year my child's out of school and they have a staff parent choir and I was like nose against the window pressed up like let me in when are you starting and I began singing in the choir with other adults and there's something just deep about singing with with other people like it's quite primal and you know you sing with strangers like, there's a lot of people I don't know and we're getting the notes wrong and we're trying to harmonize and with you know you've got to get into a rhythm together and you're strangers and there's something so I don't know, primal about it. And, you know, the days I, some days I'm, you know, I'm stressed out at work and I think, my gosh, how indulgent am I going for this choir? Like, what am I, you know, I'm not taking care of my kids, I'm not working. As you say, the guilt around, why am I indulging myself in this? And I'll go and I'll spend an hour there and I'll just come out a different person, that feeling of wholeness and fulfillment we talked about. It's just like something very deep has been soothed. And it's funny that that's the, the linkage I feel with my, you know, my small six-year-old child self who loved that too. And I, yeah, I love that linkage. So beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that story. So back to, back to our present day, fully grown up responsible selves. When did you most recently feel playful? Uh, you would think that I would say, oh, when engaging with my kids. Yeah. I, so I have a five-year-old and a five-month-old and, um, uh, lately just because of the holidays and stuff like that and sometimes i feel guilty because you know my son wants to play and i'm engaged in play but i'm i'm having two hats on i'm like having a parent hat on and, and i'm trying to be playful and it, it doesn't feel as playful as i would like and maybe because i'm a practitioner of this maybe i'm judging myself a bit more but again mm. if ju judgment's in there then you know it's not as playful as it can be however uh one of the things um i discovered over the last 10 years is uh, improvisation, you know, mm. theatrical improvisation. And I perform at a theater near my house. Um, and we've had a hiatus because of the holidays. And we had uh, a performance um, two weeks ago. And it was uh, one of those performances where we were just in sync and it was just so much fun yeah. and it was like much needed after like you know again a stressful holiday season to just let loose and just yeah. be spontaneous um you know you know with my fellow improvisers and we left like feeling like man that was a that was a good <laughs> show that was that was awesome <laughs> so that was yeah one of the last times like and it wasn't that long ago yeah where i felt really playful i love that idea of being in sync and i guess that's nice um link into what I wanted to ask you next, which was really about your journey to playfulness and especially this idea of playful working. And I think that started with, a, with an improv experience. So tell us more about the journey yeah. to today. So uh, as I mentioned, 
you know, growing up, I was, you know, that class clown, um, very curious, um, you know, got into a lot of mischief. Um, and then as I got older, it was one of those things where I would suppress that. I was like, oh, that's not something that adults do. And, you know, my end goal, if, just like everyone's end goal, was to, to be happy and to be successful. And those things on my list, you know, after, you know, years of, like, reflection, you know, weren't necessarily things that I put on there. You know, it was things that I thought I needed to do to be happy and to be successful. You know, go to university, you know, get a good job and, and all these things. And I found myself in a career that on paper I should be ecstatic about. You know, mm -hmm. it was, you know, I went to school for this and and I, I'm rising up the ranks. I'm, I'm you know, by society's terms, I, I'm successful. However, yeah. I was feeling a bit unfulfilled, you know, burnt out quite frequently. And it's really funny that I think about this. Um, the thing that helped me rediscover my play was an improv class, as you mentioned. However, that wasn't my intention on signing up for the class. It wasn't like, hey, I think this is going to be fun and, and let me do this. It was to become a better public speaker. You know, okay. it was for op like self-optimization. <laughs> I'm glad I took a class. I, I'm, I'm so glad I did because going into that class, um, it was a January and there was, uh, you know, about, you know, 14, 15 people just like myself. And for two hours, we, we played. You know, and we did these silly games that are designed to help people think better on their feet to be a better storyteller. Uh, but it felt like play. It felt like recess. And I was just blown open. Like, what was this? Uh, and I was hooked. I, like, from day one, I was hooked. I was like, this is the most fun thing. Um, I don't even care if it helps me with, with public speaking. I love it. Um, and then I loved it so much that I would bring the activities that we would do in class to my team. You know, we would play, you know, these silly storytelling games where we're, you know, creating, co-creating stories one word at a time. I'll bring it to my team. I'm like, hey, we should play this. Again, the, at that point, the, it wasn't about like, hey, you know, I'm trying to make us more cohesive. Um, I just thought it was fun. And, and this is one of the cool things about play you know it, it's inherently enjoyable and and you want to you know you want to share it um and so but one of the cool things that i discovered by accident again you know everything i feel like it's these like uh with hansel and gretel you know how like they put the breadcrumbs down to help yeah. them get back home i felt like that's what i was doing i was following these these breadcrumbs the first breadcrumb was an improv class and yeah. then um you know i was just following that sort of impulse of like oh I should share this. And so over time, we did, um, you know, become even more cohesive. You know, we trust mm -hmm. each other a lot more. We had the higher levels of psychological safety. Um, you know, I would be lying if I was saying that was my intention all along. Uh, <laughs> that's something that I discovered, like, after the fact, looking back, I'm like, oh, yeah, because we, we allowed ourselves to be playful. We, you know, we brought this these games into the workplace. And so that was the catalyst. That was the thing. And then I was curious. I was like, all right, if improv did this, what else? And I was, I was, you know, very curious about the topic of play and play for adults. And then that led me on this path. Now, the interesting thing is this was all in service of my team. You know, as a uh, people leader, I didn't think that I would, you know, be where I am now. Mm. You know, I, again, I was on that path of like, no, I, you know, I have this career. Um, and then, so I did all the things I thought you should do, you know, as a career, um, especially in marketing and advertising. Mm. And that took me to running my own 
um, co-running my own digital marketing agency. I was uh, one of three partners um, in this uh, in this venture, and it, in the beginning, yeah, it was fun. It was everything was play. I was bringing all these things that I was learning. It, it gave me a sandbox to practice these things, mm. and I, you know, just for fun, I had these little mini meetup groups. I called them recess where, um, you know, I would help, you know, other adults, you know, we would do these very playful things, um, and, you know, as a way to just help people unwind and connect. And it was after I got back from this retreat that I co-facilitated in Nicaragua where my business partner in the middle of like, it was, I was blindsided. He basically said, um, we should go our separate ways. And, and he sort of just had my buyout check and I was just floored. I was like, what? Like, oh yeah. And then two, so get this, like when it rains, it pours. Mm. So two hours after that, um, my landlord calls and tells me and my wife that he has to sell the house that we've been renting. So my son, uh, my eldest is, is one at the time about to be one. And my wife isn't working. It's you know, I'm the the sole breadwinner of the family, and I went from having uh, a job that supported me in doing these fun endeavors to like, like be like, what am I gonna do with my life? And it was my my wife's support that she like sort of nudged me. She like, you know, this, you know, she didn't even know what to call it at the time. Like this stuff that you're doing with play, you know, seems very enjoyable. Like, couldn't you get paid for doing that? And you know, instead of like going to go find another, you know quote-unquote agency job you know mm. um because there was a little bit of shame you know where i'm like oh now i have to go find a job and tell people that this thing didn't work out and and so anywho uh, long story short that put me on the path of facilitation and bringing um playful methods mm-hmm. outside of the team that i was working on to others to help them have the same sort of impact that it had yeah. on me amazing and what would you say has been the biggest surprise in that journey for you and working with play that it is a journey you know that that it uh that there's so much to learn so at first when i first got on this um i think i was very naive and i think and i'm glad that i was because if i would have known the things that i knew now i might not have gone on this journey <laughs> i might have just mm-hmm. took the easy <laughs> route and said no nah, just go find another job uh because um i thought that oh this is going to be a no-brainer i'm going to i'm going to tell like it, I'm like, oh, hey, there's this thing called play. You probably didn't even know about it. Uh, there's also, also this thing called improv. It can help your team. Like, I thought it would just be that easy to just tell people about it. I'm like, you probably didn't know about this, but hey, here's this thing that's going to help your team. And <laughs> I was met with so much resistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were like, that sounds nice. And no, um, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to you on that. Uh, I'm like, no, no, you, you, you don't get it. It is going to like change everything. Your team is going to be, uh, you know, so engaged. It's going to reduce turnover. It's going to do all. Th- and they're like, mm-hmm, okay, I, I hear you. And uh, you want me to pay you to do what with my team? So I, I had to learn, uh, you know, the the right way to position this. Um, you know, you might have heard the phrase, uh, sell people. Um, what they ask for, give them what they need. So over time, I realized I'm like, oh, all right, this is a positioning thing, um, you know. And then I was like, I am a trainer. I am a corporate <laughs> trainer and facilitator, and I help you with soft skills and blah blah. blah. And then they were like, oh, okay, great. Okay. And then I would bring them playful methods, and then you know, it's like, all right, it's all good. It's like the play Trojan horse. 
So yeah. you, you bring it in, and then you're like, oh, your placeholders come out, and you're like, hey, guys. Right. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And, and uh, yeah, being on a very, well, I'm on a very similar journey, I think, with Playfield, me and my, and my co-founder, and people are like, God, I love what you're talking about. It's like, okay, invest in it then. Like, ooh. Mm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. The trickle will turn into a... Well, to that, to that point, it's very experiential. So people who have experienced it, and then they get it, they will go and tell people, like, all right, this is <laughs> this play thing. You, you need to talk to Gary. But I still get the same thing, so I, I know to, like, bring the Trojan horse. But they're like, what did you do for that? Like, I, we yeah. want what, they, what they're having. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm kind of getting a sense of this conversation that sometimes it's hard to articulate exactly what magic is and especially for other people to articulate it to yeah. someone else because you know word of mouth referrals you know that's obviously golden for a new startup for a new business and people want to do that when they've been impressed but it's sometimes difficult to really they're like oh how do i describe them to my friend working in so and so it's it, it's kind of hard to articulate isn't it i, I get the sense yeah. it's been the same for you it's so experiential yes. as you say so in september last year you published your book Play for yes. Rebellion, Maximize Workplace Success Through the Power of Play. So tell me, tell me more about that and, and why you think we need a Play for Rebellion. So to the point that we were talking about of, you know, how play is something that um, spices everything up. However, as adults, um, you know, we have become allergic to it. You know, we think it's something that just kids do. Um, I was looking at all of the challenges that, uh, you know, professionals and, and companies are facing, uh, you know, with, you know, again, you know, being a successful company, you know, keeping employees and, and creating an environment where people can thrive. And I'm like, play is the answer. However, most people are like, oh, I don't know. You know, I think more hard work is the answer. Uh, because <laughs> we... <laughs> I think doing more faster is the answer, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm like, play will get you there. You're like, mm, are you sure? So uh, that's where the rebellion comes in. Uh, we need to rebel against the status quo, re rebel against our ingrained thinking, using play as a way so that we can be successful. Because, yeah, just right out of the gate, just because the conditioning, we're just going to not want to do it. I know. I know all of these things firsthand. I've, I've studied them, I read them, and I still get that allergic reaction, you know, that resistance. And so, you know, we need, we need to rebel playfully, um, you know, as a way so that we can be successful at work. Uh, because, you know, work and play are not mutually exclusive. You know, we, you can't just do one and then, you know, do the other. My dad used to say, hey, Gary, you know, do your work, then you can play. And as a kid, you know, and trust me, as a you know, having a five year old, that is very helpful in those situations. It can be very motivating. However, as an adult, your to do list is never done, so you will never play if that is your way of thinking. And so we need to rebel so that we can bring our true selves to work. Um, and so, so that is you know why the book is called Playful Rebellion. Uh, reason why I wrote the book is that um, I would lead these playful challenges where. I would help people create habits, you know, um, using play. And then a number of people said, hey, um, do you have a guide, like a playbook? You know, because it's like when you go to the gym, you can go to the gym one or two times, but that's not going to give you that six pack abs that you want for the summer. Yeah, you have to be consistent. And so I'm like, all right. And so that was 
one of the reasons why I said, all right, I will, I will write this book, um, even though I didn't want to. Uh, I, and, and it's not that I didn't want to share this. It's just that I didn't necessarily consider myself an author. Um, you know, thinking about like creating playful environments, sitting down and writing did not seem very playful to me. Matter of fact, it, uh, it was something that it reminded me of like when I was in school and having to write papers and essays and, um, you know, one, if you really knew me, you would know that I'm dyslexic and I have ADHD. So to sit down and focus and to write something, uh, even though I'm excited about it, can be challenging. <laughs> so um, I uh, followed my own advice and I created a playful way to write the book so that I can, um, you know, put this out into the world. What was that playful way? So I like talking and I like telling stories. And so um, I worked with an editor that uh, we had an, a one hour Zoom meeting every week for nine months. And um, instead of writing the chapters, I would talk the chapters. Um, and because they weren't familiar with the subject matter, it was perfect because they would ask me clarifying questions. And it was all via Zoom, it was all recorded. And then we took that video recording and transcribed it. And then that became the rough draft of the book. Amazing. And you used the word just now, allergic. You know, we're kind of a bit of allergic to this idea of play. And, and, and that resonates with me. I think of a lot of environments in my working life where it feels, you know, a certain meeting or a certain workshop and you think, gosh, play feels unwelcome here. You know, if I were to, to suggest something playfully, I'd, they'd be like, oh, a lot of, you know, it, it can feel like a very, not a hostile environment, but it just feels unwelcome and that sense of an allergy. So how do you overcome that kind of allergic reaction with your work with Breakthrough Play, your company? Yeah, it, it starts by meeting people where they are, you know, realizing that, um, you know, they may, um, you know, they may not be used to that sort of um, interaction experience and then starting slow, but mm -hmm. trusting the process, knowing that we are wired for play it is there deep down inside and creating an environment where over time we can sort of ramp it up a little bit and know that you know, when people are invited and they feel safe, they will, they will play. Mm -hmm. To trust the process. And then I think also it's a, it's that feeling of players going to look and feel different for each of us, you know? So what yeah. you find playful, as you talk about play personalities earlier in our conversation, you know, the joker shows up in you and for other people, that's like the opposite of how they play. And it's just being generous and diverse and how you kind of understand people's own, way of play and, and what it what it means to them and I guess when I think about my work with Playfield and you know using playful methods with clients and and also my other work which is in kind of change and transformation projects more widely I guess I, I completely have seen and felt firsthand the power of play and I, and I want to like spread it like gold does wherever I go but back to that point of kind of where does it feel appropriate and welcome to introduce it and I guess to play devil's advocate do you think, are we being unrealistic to try and bring play and work together? Yes, it is an unreal, it, it's, a, it's a tall order to fill. However, I feel like it's necessary to, to get us to this next level where we can be sustainable. Mm. Because the way that we're working now is not working. Mm. <laughs> to have people work so much and be under so much stress 
that their body just shuts down. You know, our bodies aren't used to dealing with that this much stress. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're used to having a stressor, you know, whatever it is, dealing with it. All right, cool. You know, and moving on. You know, our brains are a bit prehistoric in that. Mm-hmm. However, the daily stress of life is just keeping our brain in that fight, flight, or freeze mentality. Mm-hmm. And we need something else. And this is, in my opinion, um, you know, I, I want someone to prove me wrong. Like, I feel like play is that thing that is going to uh, alleviate stress. Now, it's not, it's it's something like that needs to be sort of sprinkled in, you know, like if you have too much salt in your soup, like it, it's, it's not going to taste right. So yeah, you know, there's a time and place for it. Mm-hmm. And the amount that you add, you know, depends on the situation. And it feels like how to move beyond this kind of play as a quick fix. You know, everyone's keen for it for an afternoon. And that's great, right? That can be your entry point. That's your entry drug. But yep. but it's the, the the evolution into part of the sustainable picture of how we work and how we're successful. That's, that's yet to come, I think. That's the work yep. ahead of us. Cool. So... Reckoning, I'm keeping it on time. I know you've got some amazing work to deliver later on today, so I am going to keep us keep us a time. But let's let's talk now about some really kind of practical examples. So, yes, I'd love to hear about. Okay, maybe you've got if you think of your last three clients, or maybe who you're going to see today, or think of some clients and tell us why did they bring you in? What were they trying to achieve? And yes. obviously, as everyone asks, what was the impact? All right. Yes, and this is what I call play plus. Where play is, in my opinion, uh, the cheat code for success. Um, you know, you add play to anything and it makes it even better. Um, like, for example, like my mom wanted me to eat vegetables. Uh, and as a kid, you know, I didn't want to eat vegetables. She added vegetables to mac and cheese. It's tasty. <laughs> I ate vegetables. I don't know if that is the best parenting thing. But again, having a young child now, I'm like, do what you got to do. So, um, So thinking about some of the last clients I had, they had a very specific challenge, and I brought a playful method as a way to help them achieve that. So one was, uh, you know, uh, helping uh, a team be better storytellers, um, you know, be better presenting. Uh, if you look at the data, I know here in the U.S., uh, public speaking is the second biggest fear to death. Mm. Oh you my know, goodness! Death, public speaking, and spiders. <laughs> Okay. However, we need to communicate, right? We need to communicate. It is, you know, if we can't communicate, you know, how can we progress? So um, they brought me in uh, to help them develop uh, better storytelling skills, better public speaking skills, demystified public speaking. And I did that through playful methods. So instead of like putting people on the spot, knowing that they're going to be terrified, it's like, all right, give me your speech. And then, you know, that's not going to help them get better. Uh, what we did, we played games and activities that allowed them to practice the different um, nuances of public speaking in a fun and playful environment. And as a result, they were able to get those reps in mm-hmm. and feel more comfortable public speaking. Um, and so, um, you know, one of the games that, you know, that I did uh, was um, so we, we did a few things. One, um, I I realized that people don't know time you know time is one of those things that is very uh very finicky like you know like this this feels like man time's going by so much fun we're we're, you know it's so fast it feels like time is going by so fast we're having a lot of fun however if you're in another situation the same amount of time can feel like 
like hours. And so <laughs> we did this really fun activity where I had them uh, close their eyes and I was the only one who knew how much time really passed. And I said, we're gonna sit here in silence. And when you think a minute is up, I want you to stand up. And so they all sat there and oh my gosh, it was so funny. Um, you know, where some people stood up, I kid you not, after 15 seconds. <laughs> 15 seconds. And they like, it's been a minute. And like, they stand up. And then, and so what I did as a way to really uh, emphasize my point, um, you know, they were able to stand up, they could open their eyes. Um, I didn't like stop the timer exactly after a minute. I stopped it after two minutes. Uh, but the, the whole point is to just let them know like, hey, you know, our internal clocks, depending on the situation, is flawed. You know, we can't mm. always judge our internal emotions on what's going on. And, you know, then we do a debrief. All right, what does this have to do with public speaking? Well, with public speaking, we know that pauses are impactful. However, when you're in a moment when you're nervous, you are going to think that that pause, that, you know, three second pause is going to feel like an eternity. So mm. guess what? Your brain is off. So again, that that little example, that playful example, mm. allowed them to experience that, oh, yeah, you're right. You know, whereas I'm like, all right, we're going to practice. So it was still awkward. However, it was playful. And then it had a point. Again, that Trojan horse. You know, and mm. then we did, you know, other things where uh, we did some really fun storytelling things where they did a mashup where they told stories about what they did through the lens of what they like to do. Mm -hmm. As a way to realize that when we talk about things that are fun, we naturally are more um, outgoing, our, our tones better. You know, mm -hmm. we did all these things. And then by the end of it, they, you know, they actually got up and did some of their talks and they were way better. They were way better than, you know, again, you know, I could have gone in and like, all right, we're going to talk about public speaking. Did you know that your actual <laughs> words is only 3%, you know, all this other stuff. Yeah, it's useful information, but it's mm. better if they experience it. And it's better if they experience it in a playful way because they will be more likely to ret retain that information when mm. the stakes are higher. So that is just one thing. Another, So, again, I call it play plus. So if you add, you know, um, you know, play to like public speaking, you're going to be in – uh, entertaining presenter. Um, you know, people often bring me in um, to help them be more creative, more innovative. Um, mm -hmm. Again, that's where improv thinking comes in. Um, and so, you know, we'll do a workshop where we would talk about the, you know, the basics of improv, like yes and, better listening, and things like that. Mm -hmm. And we do activities. And then, you know, then we put them in real life situations where they need to brainstorm, where they need to be innovative, and they find that they are better. And so uh, one mm. last thing that, you know, I started doing, um, especially because of the pandemic, is just helping people connect, <laughs> you know, creating a playful environment where people can actually have conversations. Um, and then they find that they actually mm. know each other a bit better. So, again, mm. uh, the opportunities are endless. That's why we need more people doing this work uh, so that we can help people, um, you know, really just be their best versions of themselves. And mm. on top of that, when they... Like one of the things I love to do is afterwards, I'm like, this was fun, right? You enjoyed yourself. Imagine if you created an environment where on a day-to-day -day basis, you add, you sprinkle in some play, you know, and mm -hmm. you created a playful environment, you know, what that would happen. Like once I'm gone. So yeah. I love the, the more I can hear about, you know, tangible, concrete, what did you do? Why were you, you know, why were you brought in? What happened? It's just, 
I think it's so helpful back to that articulation point as to you know what is the power of this in language and and uh, challenges that, that leaders might be kind of experiencing so really helpful thank you and we're drawing to the end of our time together unfortunately so I'll, I'll kind of round off with um again keeping our kind of feet on the on the on the ground and, and thinking playfully and practically do you have a playful practice that you use in your work or you use with other people that our listener could try themselves yes so uh, like I said, play can uh, be spiced into any sort of training and it can make things a lot better. And on top of that, if you want to just spice up your sort of day to day, you know, I call it the playful practice. And it's very, very simple. I like to think of inflection points throughout the day and that could use a bit of play and think about what what sort of state do you need to be in? You know, what sort of energy state do you need to be in and what sort of playful thing could you do to get you into that state? So, again, the umbrella of play is doing something, you know, just for the sake of doing it that is going to, like, make you feel more relaxed and more, you know, sort of in the zone. Um, Like, for example, uh, some very specific things is that we need to take more breaks. Let's just be honest. We we have a tendency to feel like we just need to keep working. There is research that shows that humans, we're bad at predicting our level of energy, uh, and that's why we keep powering through. However, if you keep powering through, you're going to make more mistakes. So what I like to do is I actually like to block out time for, like, you know, a rest, a break, um, and I will honor it just like I would honor any other meeting. And I have to do this in advance because, again, in the moment (laughs) – I'm not, I'm, I'm going to like, no, 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 I, I can do it. I can keep going. Like, so that's the first thing is, you know, honor this, put that time in. If you don't want to call it play, call it rest, call it self-care, call it a break, like whatever you mm. need to call it, call it that. And here's the thing. When that time comes, what is something that is going to, that you can do that is going to, I call it powering you up so that you can jump back into the work and be more focused, uh, be more productive. And like you said earlier, you know, at the top of the show, it's very personal for everyone. Uh, and the easiest way to find that out is like, what is something that you'd love to do, you know, as a child that you can bring back now, you know, as an adult and spend some time doing that? Um, it may seem kind of like childish or, you know, whatever, get over that, allow yourself to experiment with it. I say, test it out try it uh if you don't like it try something else um for me personally i know growing up um i used to you know play with legos um i grew up in the time where there wasn't like kits that had instructions to build (laughs) things it was just like a bucket of legos Uh, and so yeah we would just build stuff like you know and so i have like within an arm's reach some legos that you know i can pull out and i can just sort of yeah. play around with and it just allows me to step away from the work it allows me to do something very tactile mm. um, because I like to say that if I'm doing brain work um, I probably shouldn't like when I'm resting I probably shouldn't do something that you know is going to like you know uh, stimulate my brain maybe do something else so mm-hmm. you know that you know some people might be more kinesthetic so you know get up and walk around do some dancing I again it seems very silly however it has major impacts in how we feel. It's going to yeah. release dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins, all of those neurochemicals that you need to be successful. Ah, mm. oh, 
just talking about that, I'm actually, I want to get up, I want to stretch. I want to, you know, when you have a really good stretch and you're just like, yeah, I can hear my body crying out for that now. So that's what I'm going to do when we say goodbye is just 10 minute stretch and looking forward to that. Um, okay. Is there anything I should have asked you in this conversation that I've not, anything you want to share that I've not invited out? You asked all the right questions. You well, asked things you. I didn't even think of. <laughs> so I, I like to think that this is very, uh, you know, overarching. Uh, and I don't want to, you know, in the spirit of making it practical so that people can actually mm. get started and do something, I don't want, I'm just going to leave it at that. Thank you so much, Gary. It's been a huge pleasure spending time with you. Yeah, it, this is so much fun. So what did you take away from that conversation, Suki? I really loved how we explored this idea of what did we love as a child? What was play to us as children? I think I often feel this innate desire to steer the conversation away from kind of that linkage with childhood, the whole play as childish. I'm so keen to get away from that, that I don't often dive into the thread between us as adults and us as, you know, little people. And I love that we kind of went there with Gary and this idea of what do we feel like we might be lacking in our adult lives? This idea of the kind of deficit, the deficiencies that we might have in our adult life. And does that thread lead back to what we had as children and kind of, yeah, how can we just reconnect with what we loved as children? And I just, I really liked going down that, that memory lane, I suppose, and indulging in that. Oh, yeah. And listening to it, I absolutely loved the image of little Suki singing to the mountains. <laughs> And yeah. the beautiful connection that you made back to, you know, to your adult selves and your choir, that felt really special. Mm, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I kind of, I definitely went down memory lane there. It's so visceral, that memory. I yeah. Can, I can even, yeah, I can remember it in all my senses doing that. And yeah, I'm really glad that I've kind of acknowledged how important that is. Like singing felt so, as I say, it's the second, I've, second time I've used this word indulgent, but it kind of feels like I've got, you know, I'm too busy. I've got too many responsibilities to just kind of indulge myself and going to sing in a choir. But I recognize that thread from little me and adult me. And I hope I actually have it for my whole life now. Um, yeah. But no, that was, that, that was a lovely reflection. I was just going to pick up on, you know, saying that that was so visceral. I thought it was really interesting how he talked later on about giving people that experience of how long a minute was in relation to the pauses that you take when you're giving a presentation and how actually doing something in that embodied like that and in that playful way will give people such a different memory that will stick mm. with them in, as you say, a visceral way and is so much more powerful than somebody just telling you that pauses are mm. important in a presentation. You know, when you feel what a pause, a particular length of pause is and you sat there and you can feel it in your body, it's so different, I think. Yeah, absolutely. What else came up for you when you're listening back to our conversation? I really liked hearing about his approach to writing his book. So mm -hmm. the talking of the chapters rather than the writing of the chapters, because I definitely, I feel a real barrier sometimes when it comes to writing things. Mm. And that just made, you know, he found his own way to be playful with something that didn't naturally feel playful to him. And I thought that was really interesting. Mm, absolutely. How about you? I thought there was something kind of quietly radical and when he was talking about how he'd experienced improv and he then kind of took back some of the practices to his team. And he was saying, 
you know, my only purpose in doing that and sharing those exercises with, with my team was to bring laughter and lightness as, as a group. You know, I was not trying to achieve any other end. It was just to make people laugh, to, to, to establish that correct connection. And as you said, it kind of, it resulted in incredible closeness and bonds and this environment of psychological safety. But he never set out to achieve that. And I just thought, I don't know, that kind of struck me as like quietly radical that you can have such an impact without setting out to achieve it just by thinking there's value in creating this moment of laughter and lightness in my team um and and kind of what he achieved by doing that without kind of setting out to do that I thought was was amazing yeah those surprise benefits one thing also I I was really impressed by and when I was listening back on the conversation I was kind of curious I wish I'd asked more about it but when he was the kind of sole breadwinner and his, you know, agency role ended and his wife said, hey, you seem to really love this kind of play facilitation thing you've got going on. Um, and how he could, he kind of took that message and he was like, yes, I'm going to create, you know, a living out of this. I'm going to pursue this full time. And I thought, I was just fascinated by the kind of tension between doing something that is light and playful. And as you said, plays about just doing something because you enjoy it. And how he was able to maintain that authentically in a time of kind of real responsibility where he was, as you say, the only breadwinner and he had to go out and support his family through that playfulness and lightness. And I just, I don't know, I felt like there must have been such a tension there. And I was amazed that he was able to keep it true and authentic like that rather than letting the stress kind of impact it. So I wish I'd kind of explored that more with him. I really liked what he said about picking up the breadcrumbs and that's something I could really relate to because that was the way that I found this work just picking up you know a Mm. breadcrumb of something that I found really engaging and fun and then another one and then another one Um, and I thought that was a really nice way of describing it Um, yeah I also thought there was something really important uh, in what he said about you know as a kid he was the joke a joker that was his kind Mm. of way of being playful and actually, at some point, he got shamed for that. And he hid that away as something that was wrong and, you know, wasn't part of, shouldn't be part of life mm. or adult life. And the lovely rediscovering that and the leaning into that as his, you know, his work persona and something that he's made a living out of ultimately. Mm. And the transformation that it feels has gone on there. Absolutely. What other reflections did you have? Oh, I loved that um, play plus. Yes. <laughs> adding a bit of play to anything makes it better. It's like, yeah, totally does. And also, who knew public speaking was on a par with death and spiders when it comes to <laughs> I know, it's dark, isn't it? It is pretty scary. I, um, I love just two of the kind of really practical tips as well, this idea of you know, blocking time, scheduling time, proactively carving it out in advance to, and he said, you know, you can call it play or you can call it rest, you can call it something else. So you don't have to be precious about the labels, but kind of not being spontaneous. I think that's really, that, that's, that's something that can feel more realistic as to say, right, I am just going to carve out this 30 minutes of this hour to do something, you know, on Thursday afternoon for myself. And the trickiness, as you said, was honouring that as you would honour a commitment to someone else. How do you honour the commitment to yourself? So I, that's not easy, but I just love that really practical element of proactively, intentionally scheduling that time with yourself to do what you need to do. And also the practical element of having almost like a prop 
where you were working. So he said, here, he had kind of like a, you know, a little, some Lego. I love how Americans call them Legos. Have you noticed this? <laughs> yeah. Legos is always plural. We speak to our lovely US comrades. Um, so it's just that idea of kind of when you're like noodling on something to let your hands absentmindedly play with something and to have a kind of prop that you can just dip into, dip out to, um, dip out of rather. I like that idea as well. Just not there for any particular purpose, but just... Yeah, absentmindedly let your let your fingers wander while you needle on something. I like that idea of having a prop. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, please do rate and review as it really helps us to reach other listeners. We're releasing episodes every two weeks, so do hit subscribe to ensure that you don't miss out on more playful inspiration. Don't forget, you can find us at www.yplayworks.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to join our growing community of people united by the idea of play at work, you can sign up to the Playworks Collective on our homepage. If you have any ideas for future episodes, topics you'd love to hear about, guest suggestions or questions about the work we do with organisations, we'd love to hear from you. Your feedback really matters to us, so please drop us a line at hello at whyplayworks.com. We'll be back in a fortnight with a brand new guest and we hope you'll join us then.